Two men in gray uniforms came racing around the corner into view. They had guns drawn. They didn't even notice Cassie. They just stared in horror and confusion at the lunatic scene of a hawk, a bear, and a tiger, all seemingly involved in mopping a carpeted floor. Waiting for a break in the rain Waiting for the moment to change your lane I came home from the wasteland Heroic and triumphant like a comic book girl Created out of nothing like a comic book girl Hey! Okay, so... So we're in, let's let's get into class class discussion mode now. We're we gotta class compose mode. ourselves. And which, which class uh, are you? Uh, I'm a wizard. Oh, we're the she/her squad again! Yay! Oh yeah, she/her squad. <laughs> Introduce um, yourself so the everybody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, hi, I'm Parker. Are you she/her? And I'm the only meat human left on planet Earth after the latest hotfix. <laughs> Something something joke about red text something something. All yes. the other humans were patched out. Uh, I am the only beat human left. I'm Erso Ren. I also use she her pronouns. And did you know that if you put Reese's pieces in popcorn, it's actually really good. Reese's pieces. Reese's pieces. They put you put them in popcorn. I'm not yeah. much of a chocolate and peanut butter person, but like that does sound good. No, when I went to a movie theater in the UK, they were like, um, do you want your popcorn, like, sweet or salty? And I was like, uh, and they were like, well, if you get it sweet, then you can put, like, candy in it. And I was like, that's kind of disgusting, bro. No, I'm going to get it plain and salty like myself. <laughs> I'm also plain and salty. And I thought it would be gross, but my girlfriend showed me the light and put Reese's Pieces in. And I was like, peanut butter and popcorn? Seems weird. Delicious. Like, I could vibe with, with chocolate and popcorn. I'm not sure I could vibe with chocolate and peanut butter and popcorn. But I have not tried it yet, so I, I am not discounting it completely. Though I am wont to discount completely things I have never tried many a time. <laughs> Wait, who's this third person in our discussion? I'm Cassandra Kelly. I use she, her pronouns. And my fun fact is that my sewing machine is jammed and I'm extremely upsetty spaghetti about it. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like it would put you into an extremely unfortunate and bad uh, position considering how much you use that object. Yeah, you make clothes. Yeah, I use it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> how did you break it? So it's actually too embarrassing and stupid to tell you because I'm extremely embarrassed about it. My life is but too embarrassing and stupid to tell. You tell us about it anyway, though. The, um... The result of my embarrassing and stupid actions is that there is some thread that is extremely jammed in the bobbin housing, and so it is so jammed that I cannot open the bobbin housing and take the bobbin housing out all the way and find a piece of thread and take it out. So I've been advised by a kindly man on the internet to fill the bobbin housing absolutely full of sewing machine oil. However, when I went to use the sewing machine oil that was in the case, I discovered that the sewing machine oil is as old as the sewing machine, which is to say older than these journals we are discussing in class, and it was disgusting, and so now I have ordered some new sewing machine oil, and I will be here on Thursday, but until then I have no sewing machine oil to pour into my sewing machine, and that is a much longer explanation than you wanted, but I gave it to you anyway. I didn't know that they made sewing machine oil, and today we're talking about Animorphs Volume 16, The Warning, narrated by Jake. Wee-oo, wee-oo, wee-oo. It's a warning. It's, oh my god. Um, this is so, a great journal. I'm so this excited. Was, I actually read it this time. 
I well, I did, but I read it like a few months ago, and then um, I just yesterday finished up like Tech Week and then performances of a play, so I did not reread it or take notes or refresh my memory at all, and I don't have a copy in front of me right now. Jake turns into a rhinosaurus, and I do remember that. <laughs> uh, war crimes are to be had. Let's get into the. Okay, see, I, I know I'm normally like the big war crimes person, but I don't remember what war crimes happen in this book. What war crimes happen in this? Book? Well, he doesn't actually. So I wouldn't call anything that happens here on the Animorphs part war crimes. We'll get into it a little bit, but I've got the synopsis, but I need to say before we kick off that Jake in this book, in like the first page, sends us into the depths of a technological hell that we in 2090 were just completely unprepared for. At least I was completely unprepared for it. Jake... You need proxies. You need end-to-end encryption. You need AI-driven anti-hack software. Jacob, you may not do that. <laughs> do you understand that... what InfoSec is at all? Yeah, that's super dangerous. No, he doesn't. That's the, the most that we get into this is Marco just being like, hey, turn off your cookies. <laughs> yeah, that's the <laughs> least you should do. This hurt me. Um, Let me get into the synopsis. Let me get into the synopsis. Our story begins with Jake just searching the word yerk on the internet and coming across a site apparently dedicated to exposing the Yurk invasion complete with a chat room. Uh, he shows the others at Ah, uh, ye old chat room. Ye old chat room where you can this only was... type ten words at a time for some reason. I know! Oh god, there's just so many things about Is this that, that real? Is that how chat rooms worked back then? I think they did. It made me nostalgic for a time that I was never a part of in like, in a, to an extreme degree. I just love the idea of just like these people really communicated like that? Axe points it out perfectly. He's like, you humans uh, invented like the book before the phone or like the com- the phone before the computer and yet you still use this primitive form of communication. Brilliant. Love it. Axe's sort of blasé attitude about this, about being like, oh man, you live like this, does not cover the feelings that reading this gave me. Like every time they talked about a piece of technology, every time they were measuring how good their internet was in bits per second, I felt like I was wearing a pair of thumb screws. I was just in agony this entire time. Just awful. Anyway, I'm going to proceed with my synopsis. So, yes, Jake has discovered a site apparently dedicated to exposing the Yurk invasion complete with a chat room. He shows the others at Marco's house, and they decide to break into the headquarters of Web Access America, Jake's ISP, to steal the personal data of all the people in the chat room. They morph flies and stow away on a plane to travel further than their two-hour time limit would normally let them. Uh, Jake is nearly killed before they arrive. Other than Jake being killed before, almost, almost being killed before they arrive, I think this is an extremely clever plan. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they, this is just this falls within the parameters of the regular risks that come with every mission, every morph. They infiltrate the building and con- oh, sorry. Wow, I'm more caffeinated than I thought I was. <laughs> they infiltrate the building and coordinate a distraction while Marco and Axe commit felony data theft. Uh, they repeat the fly morphing, plane hopping stunt, arrive back home, and find themselves with two options. They can either come to the aid of a younger kid who suspects his dad of being a controller, or they can try to infiltrate the house of Joe Bob Finestra, billionaire CEO of Web Access America, and a Yurk Savvy chat room member. Yeah. Uh, Jake eventually decides that the team should investigate Finestra. They try to infiltrate in Bird Morph, but Finestra's mansion is bristling with fortifications and guards. And our savior teams are routed. Rachel and Axe are captured, and Jake meets the breaking point of his leadership abilities. Jake I flies. I wish that they had thrown him out a window. Wait, what? I wish they had thrown him out a window. Jake? Because he would have been defenestrated. <laughs> Got, Got him! No, I should have seen that one coming. Uh, but I didn't. 
Jake flies to the gardens with Tobias and acquires a rhinoceros, then returns to the compound and totals it. The squad squares off against Finestra at the limit of Rachel and Axe's two-hour limit. That was poorly written on my part. My apologies. Oh, well. It turns out Finestra is a controller hosting Esplin 9466, Visser 3's twin sibling, who coordinated with its host yeah, to exploit right. alien technology to become obscenely <laughs> rich. Finestra has created a way that a yurt can stay in its host without needing to leave to absorb Condrona rays, but the method requires Finestra to consume a yurk every three days, which he heavily implies kills the host in the extraction process. Yeah. Fighting his disgust, Jake demands... Slorp. Sorry, what? Oh, slorp, I gotcha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I understand, slorp. Fighting his disgust, Jake demands the release of Rachel and Axe from temporal stasis, and the Animorphs book it out of there and allow Finestra to live. Finestra's compound burns down the next day. Cassie checks in on the kid who suspected his dad of being a controller and gives him advice via thought speak. And Jake contemplates the new shade of gray this war has forced upon his moral code. Both by leaving mm. Finestra alive and by... Not helping the kid? Yeah. And considering also that he would just... Not just leave Finestra alive, but like encourage his plan as long Cannibalism. as it killed Yerks. Yeah. It's... It's a... Mm. It's messed up. I don't like this one. <laughs> it's a really interesting... But Well, here's the thing. Travel back in time to your own personal histories. You're 14 years old. You have to make this choice. What do you do? I didn't like being 14 years old. Can we be 15 years old instead? <laughs> 14 years old, and which choice am I making? The kid or Finestra? Finestra specifically, are you are you allowing him to live and continue to consume Yurks, thereby sort of depopulating the army that is destroying your home planet, but also potentially just, like, murdering random controllers? Or do you kill him and potentially... Aid the Yerks. This is the most extreme example of, like, do you stick to the enemy of my enemy as my friend as, like, an entire yes. moral Okay, but code. My, my, my question for this, like, thought experiment is, do I still have all of the knowledge and experiences that I, at actual age 14 here, a hundred years later have? Or do I have the comparable knowledge and experiences of, like, the Animorphs? Is this entirely just, like, core personality traits, or are we talking about, like, life experiences? It's life experiences. You Then as... in that case, I would kill him. Interesting. Because you, as you are right now, have been indelibly shaped by this course of events, yeah. specifically. Yeah. yeah so if, if I have the knowledge, the knowledge that I had at 14 years old, not even knowledge about Animorph stuff, just, like, knowledge about the world, mm -hmm. boom. He's dead. Rhino. Or Tiger, yeah. I guess. He's not in Rhinomorph at that point anymore, but... Well, if, if, if I was the leader of the Animorphs or whatever, I don't know what my battle morph would be. I would kill him. <laughs> I feel like, like... Join the dark side, Erso. Yeah. I'm cool for short-term revenge. <laughs> That's fair. Short-term revenge is incredibly intoxicating. And three uh, cheers for it. I haven't considered this question myself. Uh, I feel like I'd let him live... Oh, but no, but then he presents, but no. Okay, no, no, but you got to think about the fact that uh, Jake's brother is a controller and therefore vulnerable to this creepy alien vampire mm. man. And uh, Eva. Who? Visser 1. Eva. Oh, yes. Although I don't think that that's going to happen. Yeah, no, he's not going to, he's not going to, like, Diablo-rise yeah, Visser 1. That's, that's true. not going to happen. But still, if you're thinking of it from the perspective of, like, well, every controller is someone's loved one. Mm -hmm. I feel like... I'm tempted to say I would let him live, but I think 
there's, I mean, obviously there's a great argument to be made for killing him, but also, like, if he's this rich, if he's this capable, if he's got this many resources, he's absolutely capable of generating a method of extracting the Yurk that doesn't kill yeah. the host. And he just doesn't care. In that case, that makes him morally reprehensible, and I would think about leaning towards killing him. All rich people are morally reprehensible. You can't get that rich without being morally reprehensible. Well, he, yes, I mean, yes, that's fair, but, like... Guillotine. Guillotine. Very much so. Uh, when I got to this part, I was like, wait a, wait a second. Is this the oatmeal thing? I don't remember. <laughs> no, no. The oatmeal thing is, I think, maybe the next book. I don't want to get War too much crimes. into... I don't want to get too spoilery, but yeah, this is... This is the point where everything starts to really... Get real moral real quick. Amp up, yeah. Real, like, real trolley problem hours here. Well, that's exciting to me. I like I like reading about those. Every um, every journal is a hard hitter. Like, you nice. realize this is an inextricable element of our history. And it's just, it's just scary to watch it, like, read it happen in real time. I know, yeah. Well, we had to talk about the end when you brought it up. But let's go, let's go through it. Okay, so I feel like uh, before we started this class, like in my sort of cultural awareness of these books, I had like a like a like a half remembered fever dream of one of them beginning with somebody talking about how their username was Bball twenty four. It's this book. <laughs> I typed Bball twenty four. Then I typed in my code word, which is a series of letters and numbers. I almost absolutely died. I almost threw this book in the bathtub <laughs> and just was like, now I'm done. Um, this was hilarious for me. When I saw B-Ball so 24, I, I was so excited to talk about this with you, Parker. <laughs> it's so rough. But like specifically the sentence, that would be the end of Jake and B-Ball 24. I'm just <laughs> Um, and my super secret hacker alter ego, B-Ball 24. B-Ball so, 24. Okay, so we... <laughs> Okay, let's go over what we know. <laughs> Jake is B-Ball 24. Marco is Baldwin Boy 5. The fifth Baldwin brother! And Cassie... Marco is also Cassie 98. Cassie 98, yes. Um, what do we... Do we want to make some guesses as to what, what we think Rachel and the rest of them would be? I think Rachel hmm. might actually use the Xena Warrior princess thing. <laughs> Like Lucy, like because because Marco Lucy is Lawless like she she pretends to hate it, but she actually doesn't. Mm -hmm. Rachel Lawless. Oh, maybe just I see Lawless. What you did there. I like Lawless that. sounds kind of cool. Maybe just like Lawless by probably itself. Lawless. Something I was gonna say. It's probably gonna be like a deep cut. I gotta be real. Cassie's username online is probably just her name. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Which is like. Which should be illegal nowadays in terms of it's just so dangerous. Like, it yes. should be illegal. Yeah, even your um, first name. <laughs> don't even do not even do that. Uh, what's Axes? It's an obscure Andalite swear word that he knows no one's going <laughs> to get, so it's fine if he uses it. Or maybe it's the, uh, the Yerk swear word that he knows. Uh, it's uh, Cinnabon740, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes. His username he, is Cinnabon740. He is a cinnamon bun. And then Tobias would be just Bird Boy. Bird Boy! And everyone's like, Bird Boy? Oh, he must be really into ornithology. <laughs> ornithology. Thermal Bro... 90... <laughs> bird <something>. professor <laughs> at Bird School for Birds. <laughs> I'm a lawyer. Gretzky fan and then whatever Wayne Gretzky's jersey number is. I have no idea. Uh, I don't know either. I don't know about hockey, but Tobias does. Yes, we did establish that Tobias knows about hockey, which makes him gay. Uh, another thing that we established that makes everybody gay uh, in the first couple <laughs> chapters 
is that everyone is attracted to Philip from out of state. No, 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 no. Jake finds Philip from out of state disturbingly attractive. Disturbingly? Not like attractive and it disturbs me. The degree to which he is attractive (laughs) is disturbing. (laughs) He's disturbingly attractive. What? He walks in the room and literally everybody turns their head. He's just disturbed by his own homoerotic feelings. Aren't we all sometimes a little disturbed by our own homoerotic feelings? (laughs) Nah, I lean into it. (laughs) It's great because so much of it is focused on how he's barely, barely manages to behave in a manner that, like, allows him to proceed in society. Excuse me, I'm going to curse your ears for a moment here. So I do feel a little bit bad about saying this about a a child. I want to be clear that I do mean this in a non-sexual manner and in like a way where people are perceiving him in an age-appropriate way. That being said, is Axe to the other Animorphs a himbo? Oh my god. He's, okay, Axe is not a himbo. Philip. Philip, yes. Is is Philip a himbo? No, Philip is too distracted by food. That's kind of a himbo trait. Yeah, that makes him a himbo. That's that's high himbo energy. Wait, no, 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 no. Himbos are also, like, you know. What? Sexually permissive. Not really. (laughs) I I think think you're a little out of date um, in terms of your uh, himbo definition, Parker. They're they're, they're loose with their their, uh, their, their loose cannons, if you will. No, This is is a recently updated definition that we're working with here, Parker. You can't just update the... Words mean things. The entirety Uh, of the internet changed their minds about what this one means, though. (laughs) I hate it. And now it means an attractive man with a non-threatening, goofy, slightly dense and lacking in common sense aura yes often frequently also described as a hunky <laughs> <laughs> okay sorry <laughs> which i never thought i would actually use my mom calls people hunky <laughs> okay anyway so they break into the headquarters of web access america jake nearly gets killed on the plane it's highly traumatic for him he could oh barely... is this the one where his guts are all over the place yeah the rest nice. of the as, as fly, morph need to like emergency airlift him out and like unstick him from the screen that he's been stuck to it's pretty gross as flies they they extract him as flies which i'm sure if anyone had been paying attention would have been (laughs) quite a dramatic (laughs) and strange moment to witness these flies come swoop in and save this for this sixth fly yeah that definitely would be uh jake says and then, like, what, like, my mouth turned into is what, uh, is what books call mouth parts or whatever. And I was like, no! It's <laughs> books don't proboscis. call it that. They call it the proboscis, because that's what it is. Proboscis. The proboscis? It's it's, yeah, proboscis. pretty sure it's proboscis, dear friend or so. Yeah. Um, well, you know. I, I mean, I feel like Jake's exposure to fly anatomy is like a zoo books issue. What are zoo books? It's a magazine back in the day. A magazine? Yeah, it was a magazine, like a physical print. Was it like an Animorphs thing? Oh, no, you said Jake Um, read it. Tobias gets to sort of flex his morphing muscles here. He gets to morph some stuff, which is cool for him, except he kind of gets locked in the fly brain for a hot second and uh, nearly gets killed. Axe, while trying to coax Tobias's higher brain functions out of him while he's in morph, tells Tobias to reassert your individual consciousness, which is what I tell Brad when it's time for dinner, but he's deep in the video games. (laughs) Just thought that was like a funny coincidence that that's exactly the same. Is it? Is it literally? I thought you were joking. 
I love the whole exchange on page 17 of the digital document that we have here, the very beginning of chapter six. Like the way, the, the way in which Marco can't stop making jokes, even though there is a like an obscene life or death situation here. Big mood. Jake, it, 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 like just the exchange of like, Tobias, I think for the sake of safety and also for the sake of avoiding something way too gross to even think about, you need to get out of there. How? How? The exit is blocked to say the least. Try the space between the toilet seat and the porcelain. Oh, look for the light. There will be sudden light shining through. Marco's like, go into the light. Like, Very good. And then like, he's like, get out of there. The space. I found the space. And then Axe is just like, I am completely confused. Um, I just... He just interjects with, like, I have no idea what's going on. I, I have become deranged and may need to flee in panic. <laughs> uh, I forgot about the, the axe voice that I've been using, but uh, it's just, oh, man, it was really funny. Okay, this is cool, Tobias said. Once you get past the fact that your own body makes you want to throw up. Marco feels that way in his human body, Rachel said gleefully. Did you have to cook him like that? Oh, man. <laughs> she schools him so much in this moment. That's also- so... Boom! Like, I mean, oh. Also, trans? Ooh. Maybe pick it up on some vibes. I mean, perhaps. Who knows? If if I was oscillating in and out of various animal bodies, I would have no idea whether or not I was one gender or the other. Um, and I love that Marco could only really respond with, like, an incredibly specific Xena reference. Don't hurt me with the chakram of your wits. Like, that's not, buddy, that's nothing. Try again. That just shows that you've been watching Xena Warrior Princess. Is Marco a lesbian? <laughs> he also textually watches the Powerpuff Girls, so. And South Park. Wait, really? Oh, yes. that's cool. Mm-hmm. It is cool. Guys, is Marco a lesbian? <laughs> I think maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't believe in the way that he performs his attraction to women, though. I think it's a farce. I was mostly just picking up on the Xena thing. I think lesbians also kind of act gregarious and ridiculous sometimes, though, when they're figuring stuff out. This is true. <laughs> it also just sort of fits with masculinity. Yeah, we didn't have, a, like, a, a specific start point for Marco's masculinity corner, but we kind of just, like, segued into it a little bit here. It's always Marco's masculinity corner in this class discussion. And his name is John C. It's Marcus. It's Mar- Let's be honest, guys. It's Marco's masculinity room at this point. It's Marco's masculinity yeah. world, and we're all just living in it. <laughs> <laughs> when they got into the f- into the plane, I thought for sure they were gonna have to try to demorph in like the overhead compartment or something. <laughs> oh, that's what I thought too. I thought they were gonna have to like take turns like morphing in the bathroom or something. Where did all these children with small bladders come from? Man, good thing this is pre 9 11. I was gonna say, you can't congregate in the back of the plane like that anymore. Truly. Uh, the, descri- the distraction that they come up with is so good. Oh, yeah, let's go over exactly what that is. <laughs> The distraction that they use in order to sneak into the server room or sneak out Philip and Marco into the server room and extract the necessary data on their uh, forum buddies is... Two men in gray uniforms came racing around the corner into view. They had guns drawn. They didn't even notice Cassie. They just stared in horror and confusion at the lunatic scene of a hawk, a bear, and a tiger, all seemingly involved in mopping a carpeted floor. (laughs) (laughs) Keep in mind also that all of these animals have shoes looped around their necks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think the tiger has two pairs of shoes. It's so good. Yeah, Tobias um, can't wear shoes. Yeah, because he can't because he can't carry shoes. Do hawks have little shoes for their talons? If a hawk wore shoes, would he wear them like this or like this? <laughs> 
we start getting into the sort of heartbreaking part of this because the the reason that Jake doesn't end up doing research on Joe Bob Finestra's compound and the reason that I think later he blames himself for getting the group into the mess that they're in, i.e. two of them have been injured and captured and the others are like panicking and not sure what to do. The reason that they're in that situation at all is because Jake, instead of doing research, spends quality time with his family. Yeah, this is the same issue that he faces in The Forgotten is, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you know, it's harder for Jake because he's the only one who remembers this, whereas the other Animorphs do not remember him having to deal with this decision, but it's especially stressful because he makes a decision that puts Axe specifically in danger, and eventually all of them. And then in this one, he makes a decision, and he kind of feels like no matter what he does, it's always going to get someone hurt. The even, even This is what's so traumatizing about this, is that even this one little moment in which he takes some time you know, for himself and tries to do something important and deal with the like trauma at home of having to li- live with a controller that's using his brother's body ends up being a crucial mistake. And it's just, I mean, it's how can really you expect hard. anyone, especially it, it a It kind of reminds me of this year when I was like, I'm going to get my life together. I'm going to do all of these things. I'm going to really shape up and like pay attention in school or whatever. And then the world is like, ah, interesting. Would you care for a pandemic? The yerk inside Tom's head searched Tom's memory. The yerk opened his memory and read it like a book. He played the strings of Tom's brain like a violinist squeezing perfect notes out of a violin. I the wouldn't found the... squeeze them out of a violin. I think it makes it more visceral because that's not how you play a violin, but it is how a yerk would play a violin. The yerk found the answer that Tom would have made. It aimed Tom's eyes and made Tom's face smile sardonically. It opened Tom's mouth and made Tom say the words Tom would have said if he'd been able to. Hey, Mom, no more tiramisu for Jake. The liqueur is making him mushy. I laughed the way I should, and I thought to myself, the day will come, Yerk, when I will tear you out of his head and destroy you for what you've done to my family. Rude. Oof. Yeah. Jeepers. What's the other most metal thing that you've thought while eating tiramisu? The most metal thought I've had while eating a tiramisu is, man, the decor in this spaghetti factory is weird. <laughs> it's weird decor. Yeah, Chapter 17, where they're all on the roof and they are just storming and disintegrating as a group, is difficult to read. Jake uh, has to morph back into a human at the zoo on top of a rhinoceros? Why didn't he get off the rhinoceros and just stand behind it? Do you want to stand behind a rhinoceros? No, Good like, point. so that the rhinoceros is in between him and the crowd of people. Do you want to stand next to a 2,000-pound animal? I would rather stand next to a 2,000-pound animal than on top of one. I would rather stand on top of it. I would rather not stand anywhere near it, not be an animorph, and just be chilling innocently in my own home, not turning into animals. And so would Jake! Okay, I have an important hypothetical for you both. So let's say that you're trapped on horse morph, and you have to stand stand somewhere close to a rhinoceros. Where do you choose to stand? I would just I would just try to convince it that I was a really weird rhino and we were buds. <laughs> I would stand abreast to the rhino. We would be parallel, and I would just like sidle up on that rhino and just kind of give it a little shoulder rub with my shoulder. <laughs> Your horse shoulder. I don't know why I would be doing this because like I'm stuck in horse morph and I can't morph anymore. So like there is nothing to gain from this, but that's how I do it. 
Uh, Jake negotiates with some armed guards in Tiger Morph via Thoughtspeak, and he's like, listen, you're not getting paid enough for this, and they're both like, you're entirely right, and they leave. I can't believe this works. This is cartoonish. Comrade Jake. Jake is not actually a comrade. He does too many war crimes to be a comrade, but yeah, comrade who's, Jake. Who's the most communist of the Animorphs? Cassie. Cassie. Who's, who's the most capitalist? Marco. Marco. I'm going to say Rachel, but only under duress. The duress being compulsory femininity. Exactly. Whereas Marco relishes it because he kind of idolizes Finestra in this, which is gross. Oh, I love the moment immediately after he gets the arm, uh, Jake gets the armed guards to walk away, where like they get Marco to open a door in his gorilla morph, and Marco goes to punch the door, and someone's like, Marco, try the knob first. He's like, oh, okay, just open up the door. Spiritually, I am Marco. I once kicked a hole in a door because I was trying to kick it to open it to look cool, and I just <laughs> kicked a hole in the door. And- <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> That's awesome. And then my dad yelled at me and was like, you have to fix this. And I was like, excuse me, sir. I am but 12 years old and full of anger issues. I do not know how to use power tools. And then he fixed it instead. And we never spoke about it again. Um, now I know how to use power tools, though. If I were to guess, I would say this is the most B thing you've ever done. Ooh, okay. Another aspect. We've found our way once again to the encounter with Finestra. Another element of this that I want to talk about is the fact that this is one of the first times that they're dealing with a villain who's a competent adult. <laughs> Instead of Visser 3. Well, Visser 1 is a competent adult, though. Have they ever really dealt with her directly? That's true. But, but like, whether it's Finestra or uh, S... Esplin, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's Fidestra or Esplin, like, they have to actively work around the fact that they're not Andalites. They're, like, Finestra has reasonable suspicions that something's going on, and they have to elude that suspicion. Like, they have to talk around him and make him still think that they are Andalites, which is not something they've ever had to do with another adult villain before. Mm-hmm. And it's really yeah. remarkable because he is very smart. Because Visser 1, or Visser, yes, Visser 1 was so, like, convinced that she was correct about the Lyran thinking that Marco was a human because he was in Gorilla Morph that she did not realize what the Lyran actually meant. Which really shows that pride is a flaw in so many of us. Yeah. I mean, he gives, Fenestra gives them opportunities to make mistakes and then capitalizes on it when they do. He's very smart. He's very cunning. Yeah, it's a really fast situation that they have to, like, guess how to deal with in real time instead of just what they're used to, which is, like, we can rely on Visser 3 being kind of, kind of dumb. We can rely upon our ability at the end of the day to make Visser 3 soak himself in grape juice so that we can laugh <laughs> at him. Like, that really should have been the giveaway that they weren't Andalites. <laughs> yeah, probably. But, like, but Finestra's scarier than that. I'm gonna make, I'm gonna go ahead and say the Finestra's scarier than Visser 3. Oh, he's definitely uh, scarier than Visser 3. Oh my god. Visser 3, Visser 3 ate Elfangor right in front of them. Visser 3 isn't a cannibal. Has Finestra eaten someone? Visser, yes, probably, yes, literally he has. Oh yes, okay, you know what, you're right, never mind. Visser 3 is a blunt instrument. Like, Visser 3 knows what he wants and only can see the one way forward into getting it, which is his way. Finestra's flexible, Finestra's smart, Finestra has, dare I say, a little bit more in the way of cooperation from his host. Yeah. 
I think that is important here. Still, you can't have an equitable relationship with your host if you're a yerk. That's not how this works. No, I mean, that's not how it worked back then, for the most part. I don't know if that's how it works at any point even now, but like- Let's get to book 19. <laughs> like, I'm willing to believe some of what he says here in that these two, like, underestimated and smart entities have worked together to make something greater than the sum of their parts, and it's terrifying. Cooperation. It brings out the best in us all. Yeah, and in this case, that's, uh... Also the worst. That's your cannibalism. Like, the fact that he his story isn't resolved at the end of this uh, makes him even more Well... Terrifying. I don't remember if he ever comes back. Well... <laughs> Tell me about your hesitation here. Not to enter any conspiratorially uh, fraught thinking, but uh, I have half a mind that Jake just Jake just kills Mr. Window. Does he defenestrate him, though? That's the important No, he part. burns him, remember? Oh, okay. Jake does strongly apply that he somehow gets back to Fenestra's house and sets fire to it, even though yeah. we've just gone over, like, a chapter or two beforehand. The fact that Fenestra's property is very, very big and full of a lot of disconnected outbuildings. Big bird Molotov cocktail. <laughs> Condor. I think... <laughs> Condor Cassandra. Molotov cocktail. Cassandra, Boom. I think what you're thinking of is napalm. I think that's called napalm. <laughs> Jake absolutely has the resources necessary to make an improvised napalm. Big Bird Molotov cocktail is a plane with napalm. <laughs> but here's the thing. Like, it specifically... Jake explicitly says Finestra was safe and no one was hurt. So... Erisa, what you're suggesting Lies. is that that's... What you're suggesting is that that's Jake covering up for the Lies. fact that he's been killed. But I war feel crimes, like... War crimes, war crimes, war okay, crimes, no, war no, crimes, no. Killing, war crimes. Killing Finestra is not a war crime. What if he's unarmed, though? Uh, it's... Okay, well, hmm. Also, killing people might... with fire and napalm and stuff is kind of inhumane, dude. It is kind <laughs> of explicitly a war crime. Okay, so, all right, so maybe by the technical definition it's a war crime, but I would Pop. say it's justified? By the You're arguing that war crimes are justified? I would argue that killing no reason that they're war crimes. I would argue that killing Finestra specifically is justified from an emotional standpoint. An emotional this standpoint. A, this is a crime justice is not emotional. Killing him, you can't just. I, I, I'm down with murdering him, but I draw the line at murdering him in a cruel and painful fashion. Yeah, just, just shoot him in the head in cold blood, like a. He doesn't have person. a gun. Jacob doesn't have a gun. But he does have some styrofoam and some gasoline. Um, if a if a bird if a bird had a gun, would it shoot it like this or like this? <laughs> oh my god! I think that Jake tells us that Finestra is safe because he's disappointed that he failed in his attempt to burn him down via arson. No, you're you're you're. But wrong. so so why I, are you? I, I dismiss your opinion that. Why are you willing to accept that Jake is telling the truth that, that, that Finestra is safe, but you were totally willing to believe that the this horse book is completely affects, made up? Yeah, this affects his immediate relationships, especially Cassie, obviously, and he wants to do right, and so he goes and changes his mind. Anyway, that being said, I specifically wrote down that I think Jake has an interesting philosophy for being a leader, being the only one with actual moral responsibility for others in the group, that sounds like Nazi logic. 
What? Like just following orders stuff, you know? Because if he's mm. saying that like he he's like giving all of the rest of them the option to be like, I was just following orders. Oh, no, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, never mind. Ignore me then. I Again, I don't have the book in front of me. Am I, am I sort of like thinking about this correctly in that what you're saying or so is that every other member of the group at some point or another has chosen not to do something or said that they don't want to do something because they want to disclaim themselves of responsibility that yes. they want to sort of, yeah. And, and so they give that to Jake. Yeah. J- yeah. Jake is the one with the moral responsibility in the group. He, he takes more responsibility for his friends and he doesn't let them get away with stuff, obviously. But um, I think it's interesting because he doesn't have any actual real power. And I think that makes him a good leader, like despite the garbage. War crimes. That, yes, despite the war crimes. I think the fact that he doesn't have any, it's there's no literal chain of command. He's just kind of- Vibin'. They vibe him as the leader, and he's just doing it because... But we did argue earlier that part of the reason he is seen as the de facto, like, default everyone looks to him leader is because of his societal privilege. Yeah, well, that's a theory. I'm not 100% on that because... Yeah, no, I, I'm not 100% agreeing with it either, but I do think it's it's notable to point out. It's not as grounded in the text as some of this other stuff, though. Yeah. 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 No. What do, you, what do you mean by when you say that he is possessed of power? What power does any one animorph hold over any other animorph structurally? What other about than like, they all just default to Jake, which is a structure. They're they're sort of some of them are structurally privileged over other ones. Oh no no, I'm talking about like the organizational structure. So wait, if yeah the yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm just saying like in terms of types of power that some of them hold over others. If the yeah. animorphs, as they are presented to us constituted a government what kind of government would they be bad <laughs> they're 13 they're a guerrilla fighting group they don't have any power structure yeah they no but they do just because just because it's an informal structure doesn't mean it's not a structure their structure is everybody's got a vote but they all default to what jake tells them this to do, discussion eventually. group has a structure i'm the one who reminds people to come to the discussion group <laughs> yeah you're not wrong no, but they do have a they do have a structure, and the structure is that eventually Jake gets to make the decisions. Ergo, but Jake they has they power. can they all have dissented many times. Yes, but every time that they do that, it is acknowledged in the group, or at least in personal conversations, that they should have defaulted to Jake. They agree upon defaulting to Jake. It's not like oh, we have to, or else we're going to get like punished. Like there's no punishment system. Real power over his friends. I think Jake thinks of himself as in charge only in the negative ways. He thinks of himself as in charge as in like, everything's my responsibility, it's all on me, and I'm responsible for everyone else, blah, 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 blah. And he doesn't think of himself as in charge in the way of like, also, I get to make the decisions Mm -hmm. and tell people what to do. He only thinks of himself as in charge, at least at this point in the journals. He He only punishes himself for not stepping up more and... And for when he messes up. Yeah. He he calls the shots, but it's only because everyone in the moment, every time, agrees that he's the one who's going to make that call. Yeah. I guess we'll have to see what happens when we've got a situation where it's extremely fraught and they need to act now and they still disagree. Oh, I can tell you what happens, but you won't like it. Well, <laughs> we'll be able to pin down this particular thing because i do think he does possess power within their internal structure but also i i i like the sort of idea or the the sort of like thoughts that you're expressing or so so continue with those i would be interested to see specifically what power you think he holds over them but i think we can discuss we'll, we'll, that we'll have, to, a, we'll have to find out you know 
Yeah, well, you yeah, will it'll, it'll come up when find it comes out. I, I also ha, might be ha, wrong. Ha. I have a weird perspective on this, so it, it's. Ha, ha, ha. Wait, why are you laughing? Because you will find out what happens when Jake gives people an order that is viscerally horrifying. Viscer. Yeah. Viscerally. One of the preeminent sort of rules, unofficial rules of leadership, I think this is something that derives from military command structures, is don't give an order that you know is not going to be followed. Mm, Uh, That's interesting. All right, let's move on. (laughs) We haven't seen a situation where somebody just flat out refuses to do what Jake tells them to do, so it's hard to tell. Jake's mom is just really sweet in this book, and I really liked that she just like specifically says it's harder being a kid than it is being an adult. I was like, wow, I really, I really feel that way a lot of the time. I really felt that, bro. Yeah, as an it's adult, it's hard being a kid. It's hard, and nobody understands. <laughs> but like, she tries really hard, and she gives good advice here, and she's doing the correct mom thing. It's just that she can't know. And again, we yeah. got that tragedy. We had that kind of come up with uh, Marco in the last journal, if I remember correctly. Yes, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Heck yeah. And his dad. It's hard to be 12. They're 13 or 14, I think. Yeah, it's hard to be a teen and fighting a war for the fate of all humankind. Um, so Axe pokes some holes in the idea of human exceptionalism, which I absolutely love. Axe is just like, mm, actually, what, what's the deal here? Wait, 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 what percentage of well actually is Axe Milius Gareth is still? Uh, 73. <laughs> yeah. At least 40. Uh, actually, probably more like 73, you're right. Yeah. I, I would say approximately 69%. Axe is a reply guy. <laughs> we like to think of ourselves as more than animals, Rachel pointed out. Why? She shrugged. I don't know. We just do, or at least as the best animals around. The best? Axe echoed. How do you define best? I found my Axe voice again. <laughs> we alone of all the am- animals have the ability to create TV shows, Marco said. Why are we yapping about all this? What's the big deal? Axe is just like, um, humans aren't actually the best animals, and you're not different from any other animals. We all know it's actually the mice that are the smartest animals on the planet, followed Shut by up. dolphins. I mean, like, it's he's probably coming at it from a place of Andalite superiority, but, like, I love that he says He's this, not wrong. He's not wrong at all! He's entirely right, and everybody needs to realize that more. Axe is like, you know, the meme that's like, he's right, but I wish he wouldn't say it. It's like that, but it's, <laughs> he's right, but I wish he wouldn't say it for the reasons that he's saying it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he's right, and he should say it, but say it for reasons that don't come from internalized, like... Nationalist. Nationalist propaganda. <laughs> stuff, Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then that's immediately followed by a conversation about, like, if we morph people, are we any better than the Yerks? Yes, next question, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really tired of that question. It is, oh, it's going to keep coming up. It, they have to have... It is amateur hour compared to some of the other stuff that they deal with in this book. Do you have any other points we want to cover? Because I've, I've, I've sweated about six pints and I look like a bodybuilder now, so... Um, <laughs> Like Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is in this a very, book. A very short Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> well, Arnold, Schwar- Arnold Schwarzenegger is in the next one. So. Warner, oh, the Warner, next Warner. one, that's right. Did I ever tell you that one of my one of my mothers met Arnold Schwarzenegger because what? she like, worked for the California government? Yeah, no, I mean, they keep cloning that guy. Like, they've got, like, California is, like, California is, like, 5% Arnold Schwarzenegger's at this point, right? 
So wait, when was when was the first Arnold Schwarzenegger clone? Was it in that was it in that that Terminator movie? They clone him on screen in the twelfth Terminator movie, like yeah. the cloning that looks like it's just fake. Um, and like no, yeah, this stuff is actually real. They physically cloned him. They, they filmed that movie over the course of ten years. That's why it was so late in the series, and it was Terminator Twelve because they were waiting for the clone to grow up and be old enough to like also be in the movie. Yeah. So, like, your average Arnold Schwarzenegger is only, like, only, like, six or seven, right? Like, I don't actually know. But, but anyway, yeah, okay, so but... my mother met Arnold Schwarzenegger. Get out of here, boyhood. <laughs> this movie took 16 years to film because we had to get our Arnold Schwarzenegger up to the appropriate age. They remade Kindergarten Cop, but, uh, in the... He's actually boyhood. kindergarten this time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is, he's the only... Uh, he's the only person who's been in kindergarten and also been part of a police force at the same time. Um, oh, yeah. What about all the kids who were line monitors in kindergarten? <laughs> that's police for kindergartners. Oh, that's true. I hate that. You're right. Once you, <laughs> right once you have defunded the police in your brain, you must also defund the line monitor in your brain. <laughs> <laughs> What's the fascist state that the line monitor pre- presents to our society? <laughs> All I heard was, what's, what's the fascist lawn line society? <laughs> I also heard what that. What is the fascist Welcome state? to the fascist lawn line society. Lawns <laughs> <laughs> are fascist. <laughs> you guys are killing me today. <laughs> All right. Any other points? Um, the 12th Terminator movie actually had a lot of really good things going for it, and you shouldn't discount it just because the... Weird. I really liked Special the uh, fourth actress that they brought in for Sarah Connor. Um, and by liked, I mean liked her arm muscles. Yeah, are, are you, I was about to say, do you just think that she's hot? <laughs> yeah. I'm, try- I'm trying to be big brain lesbian about this. <laughs> I'm simply small brain bisexual about Wait, this. What do you mean by big brain lesbian? Your brain don't need to be big to understand that those muscles are beautiful. <laughs> oh I can't even talk. I'm bi. <laughs> yeah, I was so- going to say, Erso, aren't you bi? <laughs> I'm like, I'm not trying to police your identity, but I could have sworn you'd mentioned that you were bi. Uh, I like men so much. I hate it. <laughs> I'm so sorry for you. Anyway, next time we're reading Animorphs number 17, The Underground, which proves to be, I mean, you're not, you're not quite ready for it. It's a little niche for you. It's a little, um, it's for the real fans. <laughs> I got it. You know, it's on vinyl. <laughs> Hi, I'm Erso, and this is a little too niche for you. It's only available in physical paper copies and not in PDFs because I'm a hipster. I really hate that you're 100% right about that read on me. If I didn't have it, it might be a different story. Digging it. Uh, All right, well, I'm going to get out of here and go uh, take emergency rehydration fluid. Uh, Stay safe, everybody. Bye. Bye, Stay safe. The Morph Report is now on Patreon. We care a lot about accessibility, and we want to provide transcripts for our podcasts. However, we are not able to keep up with the transcripts ourselves for much the same reason that we care about accessibility in the first place. To help offset these costs, we have introduced two preliminary tiers on Patreon at a $2 and $5 level, and we are working on more. If you're interested in supporting us so that we can transcribe our episodes and also so that we can pay for our hosting fees on Pinecast, please look us up or follow the link in the episode description or on Twitter. Thank you. Stay safe. Thanks to Noelle McGarelli for the use of their song Comic Book Girl off the album Field Notes from Another Place and Complicated Spoon. 
You can find more of Noelle's music at noelmicarelli.bandcamp.com or find a link in the show notes. The Morph Report podcast is hosted by Hamlet Cooper, Scrivener Lamb, Marina Malucci, and Bly. You can follow us on Twitter at Morph Report. If you have a question for the Pottermorphs, email us and we'll answer it on the show. Our email is themorphreport at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Stop in Armageddon like a comic book girl. Dead on page 11 like a comic book girl. Hey! 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 I'm Cassandra Kelly and I'm a buff 12 year old. I'm a 12-year-old that could kill God.